If you're looking for proven ways to take your fundraising results to the next level, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Intentional Fundraiser Podcast, hosted by Tammy Zonker. Tammy has trained and led thousands of nonprofit organizations to collectively raise more than a half billion dollars and is also recognized as one of America's top 20 fundraising experts. This is the podcast where Tammy equips and empowers amazing fundraising pros like you to transform your fundraising so you can transform the world. And now, let's hear from Tammy. Happy 2023 and welcome back to the Intentional Fundraiser Podcast. Today, we're talking with Alex Wilson, co-founder of The Giving Block, about the case for crypto, what we can learn from challenging times. Now, The Giving Block is the leading crypto philanthropy platform that connects nonprofits with crypto donors. Alex oversees The Giving Block's growth in several areas, including technological innovation, crypto and financial partnerships, and institutional giving. Now, I have to give a shout out to Alex and the entire team at The Giving Block. They committed in a big way to our Transform 23 Virtual Fundraising Summit as our top sponsor. It's their transformational sponsorship, along with others, who enable us to offer 10 world-class experts, including Alex, to offer those to you for free. And if you haven't registered yet and you want to attend, register soon. We only have about 100 of our 1,000 spots remaining. So mark your calendar for January 25th, 9 a.m. to 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time. Stay all day to get maximum benefit or come and go as you need based on the speaker, your interest in that topic, and your availability. You can register at fundraisingtransform.com forward slash transform. And of course, we'll include that link in the show notes. Alex's background is in management consulting, where he has worked with Fortune 500 companies to develop strategies for emerging technologies like AI and IoT and blockchain and cryptocurrency. As he went down the cryptocurrency rabbit hole, he and his co-founder, Pat Duffy, discovered a need for nonprofits to tap into the growing donor demographic. Alex graduated from Wake Forest University School of Business with a bachelor's in business and enterprise management and a concentration in international business. Alex, welcome to the show. We'll start the show in just a moment after a word from our sponsor. Support for this show is brought to you by our friends at Bloomerang. Bloomerang offers donor management and online fundraising software that helps small to medium nonprofits, just like First Tee of Greater Akron, a nonprofit that empowers kids and teens through the game of golf. After just one year with Bloomerang, First Tee of Greater Akron doubled their unique donors improved donor stewardship, and raised more funds. Keep listening to hear how they did it or visit bloomerang.com forward slash intentional to learn more. Again, that's bloomerang.com forward slash intentional. Hey, Tammy. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, we're excited to have this conversation. So thanks for joining. Yeah, of course. So let's just jump in. You know, Alex, in recent years, crypto philanthropy has been fresh and exciting and full of potential. 
It's generated hundreds of millions of dollars for nonprofits, including many really well-respected national and global charities that have embraced crypto philanthropy, like Charity Water. I mean, Scott Harrison talks about his strategy around crypto, and it's, it's pretty inspiring. UNICEF, Save the Children, and, and lots, lots more. But the crypto market's downturn and industry shakeups have been more than a little unnerving. So as a result, accepting cryptocurrency donations has been a bit of a hotly debated topic for a lot of nonprofits, leaving them confused and not sure exactly what the best next step should be. So talk to us about that, about recent events, what happened, and where we go now when it comes to crypto and crypto philanthropy. Yeah, it's definitely a hot topic right now, especially these last few months. And it's often not very intuitive because when crypto or other investments or other things go down, people tend to pay less attention to them, right? But actually, that's the best time to get involved, right? It's If you think about it from an investment perspective, you want to buy when it's low and sell when it's high, essentially. Yeah, and just like we're the not stock market. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, although we're not talking about nonprofits necessarily buying any crypto or anything like that, actually, when the market is down is when you have the best chance to essentially gain market share and meet donors, right? Rather than when everyone's trying to fundraise crypto, when crypto is at an all time high. So we actually find that our nonprofits who, who build out their strategies in, you know, what are down markets or bear markets are the ones who perform the best when the markets do turn around. And although no one likes to see a market go down and it can be scary when it's volatile too. But it's not like this is the first time crypto has gone down or the stock market has gone down. Right? These are pretty normal market cycles that have happened over and over again. So it's not necessarily anything surprising or new for people who have been in crypto for a while. But I can understand why it would be a bit scary for someone who's not in crypto. But even after the recent downturn, right, you hear kind of doom and gloom in the headlines. But crypto is still one of the best performing asset classes over the last 10 year period. And even these first two weeks of the year, crypto has way outperformed the stock market already by quite a bit. So it, it requires some context and some nuance beyond just the, the headlines. Yeah, that's so interesting. Talk to us about why these non-cash donations have really been taking off up until the downturn. So the organizations who are thinking about embracing it have a little more knowledge, a little more background to talk with their boards to get their buy-in about embracing this channel of philanthropy. I think non-cash assets in general are totally underestimated by most nonprofits. And I think it's a combination of things. I think it's one, it's not always easy or hasn't in the past been easy to accept non-cash gifts. And I'm not just talking crypto, right? Like especially so many stock gifts are made every year and it's becoming easier and easier to do that. In the past, things like crypto stock and other non-cash gifts were practically only given by high net worth individuals who had an advisor or a team to help them make those gifts basically, right? It wasn't as easy as going to a nonprofit's website and making credit card donation. But now with the tools we've built, our goal was to make non-cash gifts just as easier, in some cases easier than making any sort of other online credit card donation. And the reason that's so important is because so many people, when you look at the average person's net worth, especially wealthier donors, the majority of their wealth is in assets, not in cash. So the amount they're able to give is so much higher and there's, of course, the tax benefits, which we can get into later. So there's just so much untapped giving potential in non-cash assets, even beyond crypto, which I think is really 
underestimated among most nonprofit fundraisers. One of the attractions to crypto philanthropy has been the ability to, of course, innovate, but we all want to acquire younger donors. And crypto tends to attract that young tech-savvy entrepreneur in many cases. Talk to us about how effective of a strategy crypto philanthropy has been to attracting younger donors and what you see for the future. Yeah, absolutely. I would say beyond the fundraising outcomes, you're exactly right that so many nonprofits come to us saying, we want to diversify our donor base and our revenue streams, especially with younger donors, right? One of the hardest donor demographics to tap into for most nonprofits. And crypto is unique because I think a lot of nonprofits worry that when there's younger donors, that they're either giving less or less wealthy, which in a broad sense is typically true. But with crypto, it's not and other non-cash gifts. We're finding that the average crypto donor, even though they are young, a lot of millennials and Gen Zs, are much wealthier than the average person. So their ability to give a lot, even when they're young, is higher than people expect. And our average gift size in the past has traditionally been about $10,000, which is probably bigger than most people expected for, let's call it your, your 30-year-old donor. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Talk to us about what's being called the crypto winter what we can look forward to in 2023. What is the future? Yeah, there's certainly a lot of headlines about crypto being down. Economy in general, right? Everyone's worried about markets, not just crypto, but certainly crypto is front and center because of how much it had gone up. But it's really just important to put this in context. Even though it's come down quite a bit from where it was a year ago, we're actually seeing the number of people giving crypto still increase and the number of people using crypto in general increase. And it's still up quite a bit from where it was a few years ago, right? So it's all relative. So yes, if you bought crypto a year ago, you're down. But if you bought crypto a few years ago, you're still up, right? So most of these very large donors didn't just yesterday buy crypto, for example. Many of them bought crypto many years ago and are still way up. And it's going to come down to, for that individual, what other investments do they have in their portfolio and which is performing the best, right? Because their financial advisors are going to tell them, donate your most highly appreciated asset first. And crypto has appreciated, I don't even know how many thousands of percent at this point over the years, but it's, it's practically outperformed everything. So even with the recent downturn, it can still be the most tax efficient way to give in a lot of cases. So like stock, if you're donating appreciated crypto, you're not paying capital gains on that. Is that right? Yep. So crypto donation from a tax perspective is practically identical to a stock or other non-cash gift. Donor doesn't pay capital gains taxes on it. They get a fair market value deduction on their tax return. And you as a charity, right, assuming you're a 501c3, you're tax exempt as well. So for both of you, you're getting more money, essentially, right? The nonprofit's getting the pre-tax value, basically, rather than getting the after-tax amount, right? If I sold my Bitcoin and then made a donation, I'm probably paying 30% in taxes and then giving the remaining 70% to the nonprofit. So you can imagine why the donor wants that higher deduction and wants to be able to give more to the nonprofit by donating crypto directly. It's funny because sometimes nonprofits will come to us and say, well, can't the donors just sell their crypto and then give us the cash? And it's like, (laughs) well, they could, but then they're losing 30% of the gift. Yeah, yeah. You won't get as large a gift. I think the analogy, like it kind of works just like stock is helpful. Exactly. So crypto hasn't been as regulated as some other types of assets, but you know, word on the street is that's going to change. So talk to us a little bit about regulation and governance 
and what you're anticipating will come down the line in that regard? And this is a really great question too, because I think it goes along this general theme of people's misconceptions about crypto or often how crypto was five years ago, right? So a lot of people always ask like, oh, I thought crypto is kind of the wild west, unregulated, right? No rules. And that was true 10 years ago when crypto first started, but things have changed pretty dramatically. It is actually highly, highly regulated. All the federal agencies that you would expect, like the SAC, the CFTC, Treasury, SEN, all regulate crypto. State financial regulators regulate crypto, especially the buying and selling and trading of crypto. And the rules they have to follow are very similar to rules that like banks or other financial institutions have to follow, actually. So I think it is much further along from a regulatory perspective. I think the part that's confusing is that it's very hard sometimes to apply traditional, let's say, bank regulations to crypto just because it's different. But sometimes it's been kind of forced onto crypto, even though it doesn't necessarily make complete sense. So those are the kind of tweaks that are happening now over the years. So it'll get better and better over time. It just requires some tweaking still and some clarity, I would say. Very good. Well, that's helpful. So what would you say to organizations who they really want to get into the crypto philanthropy world? They want to work with these, you know, these tech savvy donors, these investors who are in that space and their boards are hesitant. I would say if you don't get into this, you're missing it, right? There's already thousands of nonprofits accepting crypto successfully and using it to grow their revenue and diversify their donor base. So the longer you wait, the harder it is for you to carve out what I keep calling market share, basically, with this donor community, because this really is a new donor demographic. And that's so important. I think so many people get that wrong, where they think about crypto purely as a donation method rather than a donor demographic. There's 300 million people that use crypto, you know, practically the size of the United States that a donor demographic that large that you can't tap into if you don't take the first step of accepting crypto. And other nonprofits are happy to take it. Your organization is going to fall behind, essentially, unfortunately, if, if you don't kind of get in on this. Wow. When you think about that, and they just released the AFP's Fundraising Effectiveness Project, just released the 2022 third quarter giving analysis. And it showed, similar to the prior year, that while giving kept pace or giving actually increased, the number of donors giving did not stay the same or keep pace with the prior year. It actually decreased. So in other words, there's a smaller number of donors who are giving more generously. So if our donor pool is shrinking and there's this new pool of people who are 300 million people who own crypto, that could be where we make up the difference, where we continue to keep the number of donors contributing to us, but offering them ways that make sense for them and that are attractive to them. So we've got to make some changes and really step into the future, it sounds like. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. First T of Greater Accra needed to switch from an outdated donor management system to something more user-friendly. With Bloomerang, they found that and more. Here's Executive Director Josh Smith sharing what he likes about Bloomerang. We love Bloomerang because it's so, like, it's very user-friendly. 
we're able to do more because our daily tasks of thanking donors and sending thank you notes have been cut more than half because of Bloomerang. Year over year, we have raised more funds. So obviously, I think Bloomerang's been a, a huge part of that. By investing in a donor management system that they actually love using, First Tee of Greater Akron was able to raise more funds and continue creating lasting change in their community. To listen to the full interview with First Tee of Greater Akron, visit bloomerang.com forward slash intentional or click the link in the show notes. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned that because one of the biggest catalysts for crypto philanthropy was actually spring of 2020, when every nonprofit was really worried about how COVID was going to impact their organization. They were worried about losing revenue from not having, let's say, their gala, their charity walk, other events, or donors just not being able to give that year. And that's when they came to us at the fastest rate ever saying, we are looking for new ways to offset the revenue we expect to lose and diversify with these new younger donors. And that's been an ongoing trend and really a winning strategy because we're seeing year over year, the number of people giving crypto increase dramatically. And the nonprofits who have been doing it for multiple years are the ones performing the best because they've developed the most relationships, right? And if you're not on the menu, basically, when someone wants to give crypto, they're going somewhere else and building that relationship somewhere else. And every year that you wait, you have less people to build that relationship with. And for so many of those donors, this is their first time giving a pretty significant gift. When we talk to them, they often tell us they're only donating in crypto. That's the only way they give. And you have an opportunity, especially because they're younger, to build, let's say, a 30-year relationship of giving with them. Whereas with many of your older donors, you might only have 10, 15 years of giving from them. So it's a pretty unique scenario that's not going to last forever. Uh, you know, I read a book maybe... A year ago, year and a half ago, Jason Shim is the author. Do you, oh, yeah. I know, you know Jason. Yeah. So Bitcoin and the future of fundraising. And, you know, one of the things that he recommends in his book, if you're a nonprofit organization and you are making a case to your board for why we should explore and determine is crypto for us? What would our policies be? What would be the potential opportunity? Can we quantify that? One of the things that he suggested is creating a board-led task force or an ad hoc committee that includes some people who do own and are knowledgeable about crypto and some of your finance committee and your development committee members or chief development officer. So essentially a cross-functional team with varied expertise to really do some due diligence and assess this for your organization. Because I think that it's when we can make a case with real numbers and applying like, how would it fit inside our strategy? What are the risks? What are the upsides? What's the potential return on investment? That's the kind of work that gives boards confidence to put their toe in the water or to just jump in. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of key things that are just so important for boards. Things like what we talked about, there's 300 million people, right? Helping them understand how big this opportunity is, yeah. how much money is involved. All these different things, you should think about it as like a pitch, right? Almost as if like this is an addressable market we want to go after. And that's something we help a lot of our clients and prospects with is these conversations. 
What are the main points that are going to resonate with the board, whether it's a finance person, a legal person, a fundraising person, a marketing person? Because similar to how you tweak your fundraising tactics to different audiences internally, right? Same thing. The way you sell this to the board is maybe different than the way you sell this to the marketing team. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you're really a partner with nonprofits to help build that case or that pitch. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Are there other resources or books that you would recommend or blogs or just digital resources? Yeah. I mean, we put out a ton of content. One easy way to kind of follow along on some of that stuff is subscribing to our newsletter on our website on thegivingblock.com because we also have a blog where we're constantly putting out free content for people to learn the basics about cash giving. And it's not even just crypto. It's really, we're really moving towards more non-cash giving in general. But crypto is kind of the, the impetus of this all and the, the start of it all. So we'd highly recommend that. And of course, we're going to include a link to your website and those resources in the show notes so folks can easily access them. This has been so helpful, Alex. Thank you. Is yep. there any other advice that you would give to nonprofits in this current climate? I would just say, you know, don't, dismissive, I would say. I think too many people see a headline and think, ah, that's not for us, right? Take the time, learn a little bit about it, reach out to people who are successfully fundraising crypto because there are thousands of nonprofits out there that have seen the benefit. And you can always schedule a call with us too if you just want to talk about it and learn a bit. But I think the mistake we see happen so often is too many nonprofits are a bit dismissive because they think like, oh, well, no one's ever contacted us saying, I want to donate crypto. Or they tell us we don't have crypto donors. And it's like, that's not surprising that no one's reaching out It's because you don't accept it, right? If you're not on the menu, they're not going to give to you. So it's a bit of a chicken and the egg. But, you know, it's important to keep in mind that most of these donors are net new donors and net new dollars coming in. So you'll be pleasantly surprised, I think, by how many new donors you'll get. And even if it is your existing donors, they wouldn't necessarily be telling you that they have crypto. This could be actually a way to turn some of your existing donors into larger donors because it is more tax efficient. So I, I think it's just important to actually really take a thorough look at things before dismissing it. Yeah, so good. So good. And as I mentioned, Alex is going to be one of our speakers at the Transform 23 Virtual Fundraising Summit. So be sure to register and sign up for his talk. Alex, thank you. Thank you. As we wrap each session, we like to ask a few extra rapid fire style questions just to add a little bit more value to our listeners. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So the first question is, what's the best fundraising advice you've ever received? My favorite is just knowing your audience and your donor demographic. And I think the mistake some people make is having sort of a one-size-fits-all approach. And we see this all the time in, in what we do, but it's just so important to tailor your messaging to your audience. You don't want to copy and paste use the same messaging for every donor, every donor audience. I would say that's that's my biggest one. Yeah, so good. So good. What book do you recommend to our audience and why? So this book, I would say, is both educational and entertaining. It's a book called Bitcoin Billionaires, and it follows the story of Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. If you know the Winklevoss twins, they ended up starting a big crypto. But before that, you know, they were more traditional finance and tech guys, and they happened to learn about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency pretty early on. And there's a really entertaining story of the early days of them getting into crypto and how it ultimately turned them into billionaires. But it's both educational of like why crypto was so interesting to them and how it works. 
while also being incredibly entertaining. So it is a, a way to kind of lightly get introduced into the world of crypto. Yeah, love it. I'm going to order it and we'll include a link in the show notes so others can check it out too. What are the three most important traits a successful fundraising professional must possess? Yeah, I would say the three are drive, storytelling, and adaptability. Those three as a combo, I think, are really unstoppable, especially adaptability. And that goes back to the earlier point of, you know, really tailoring your messaging to your audience and just being able to really think on your feet and, and not being too stuck in one lane, right? And always willing to learn and change, I think is just so, so important, right? Just like we're seeing now with these new younger donor demographics being increasingly important, you can't make the same pitch to them that you maybe made to donors who were in their 60s and 70s. Know thy donor, right? Yeah. Exactly. And I'm thinking of that sales adage I learned a long time ago that applies and it's, you don't know what you're selling until you know what they're buying. Yep, exactly. Ask questions, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good. What's your favorite fundraising tool or application? And feel free to be shameless here. Yeah, I was just <laughs> well, be biased in this one, but of course the giving block. And for us, I think what makes it even more exciting this year is that we've expanded beyond crypto really making it seamless to accept crypto and stock with one tool, one dashboard, one reporting, you know, one vendor really simplifies things a lot for nonprofits because stock giving has been incredibly manual in the past. And that's something we've automated as well and something we're really excited about in 2023. That's awesome. Alex, what's your favorite fundraising conference or conference in general or ongoing learning opportunity? Yeah. So although not really what I would consider a traditional fundraising conference, my favorite conference in general is a conference called Consensus. It's one of the largest cryptocurrency conferences every year put on by Coindesk, which is one of the large media companies in crypto. And it's amazing. I mean, I think last year they had 50,000 attendees. Wow. Uh, from all over the world come. We've even had a lot of our nonprofit clients attend to network and meet donors and meet corporate donors even in some but it's just an amazing gathering of all the most innovative companies in the world and definitely recommend checking it out. Very cool. All right. Last one. Knowing what you know now about fundraising, crypto philanthropy, what advice would you give your younger self just getting started in the profession? I would say simplifying things. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's easy to get caught up in giving almost like too much detail or making things too complicated when there's often a much easier, higher level way of explaining things. And some people want the detail and some don't. And knowing who does and who doesn't is really important, right? Because you can really lose someone quickly if you go into the weeds on something that they don't actually care about hearing and vice versa, right? And it, and it really goes back to what you mentioned earlier about knowing your audience, asking questions. So you're not so you're not selling something or talking about something that someone isn't even interested in in the first place. It's so easy to, to kind of have a script in your head and just start going right without talking to them first. Yeah. And again, not adapting your conversation, not really listening and hearing them and adapting. And to one of the other great points you made earlier, one of the best ways often to convey a message in a simple, uncomplicated way is by telling a story. Exactly. Yeah, so good. Well, again, Alex, we can't thank you enough for partnering with us and for being a guest on our podcast today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Tammy. This was awesome. I can't wait for the conference. Yeah, it's going to be good. So again, January 25th, 
and register at fundraisingtransformed.com forward slash transform23 or click the link in the show notes. So if you want to learn more about Alex or The Giving Block or any of the wonderful resources that he's talked about today and shared with us, just check out the show notes. We also invite you, of course, to share this episode with any of those board members or other peers and colleagues who are interested in learning more about cryptocurrency and crypto philanthropy and the services that The Giving Block offers. So feel free to share this episode, rate us, comment on it. And just keep on transforming your fundraising so you can transform the world. And now for a final word from our sponsor. Thank you to our friends at Bloomerang for supporting this episode. If you'd like to learn more about how Bloomerang can help your nonprofit acquire, retain, and engage donors, or learn how First Tee of Greater Akron doubled their unique donors, improved donor stewardship, and raised more funds in the first year with Bloomerang, head over to bloomerang.com forward slash intentional or click the link in the show notes. The Intentional Fundraiser Podcast is a Fundraising Transformed original. It's hosted by me, Tammy Zonker, founder and president of Fundraising Transformed, where we help equip and empower fundraisers, nonprofit leaders, and board members to transform their fundraising so they can transform the world. Visit fundraisingtransform.com slash podcast to subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my newsletter to get fundraising lessons, tools, and helpful resources delivered straight to your inbox each month. If you want my help with taking your fundraising to the next level, become a member of my Fundraising Transformers community as a growth member and join me live each month where I'll teach you the same strategies I use to lead, train, and coach thousands of nonprofits, social service organizations, healthcare foundations, private schools, colleges, and universities to collectively raise more than a half billion dollars including a single gift of $27.1 million. As a member, you can participate in my Ask Me Anything sessions every month and get answers to your burning questions. Chat with other growth members inside our private and safe online community about what you're working on, struggling with, and share lessons learned. And get instant access to my growing library of on-demand self-paced training classes. New content is added every single month. Learn more about becoming a member at fundraisingtransform.com slash growth. Talk soon.